Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, if someone's dealing with a mental health emergency so serious that they might hurt themselves or another person, involuntary commitment can be a last resort. Petitions to 302 someone have gone up in the past few years in Pittsburgh, and police are filing more than they used to, even though there have been calls for less police involvement in mental health crises. I'm with Amelia Winger of Public Source, who's been digging into the data on 302 petitions. It's Tuesday, December 6th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. You've been doing a substantial amount of reporting on 302 petitions, but what does that process of getting 302 look like? So a 302 petition, the nickname for that um, comes from the PA Mental Health Procedures Act, and it refers to kind of the section of the law that it comes from. Mm. So what a 302 is, it's a form of involuntary psychiatric treatment. So when a person is believed to pose a clear and present danger to themselves or to others due to mental illness, um, anyone who's observed that behavior within the past 30 days can file a petition with the county for this person to be 302'd. Um, So then when that happens, if the county approves the petition, they're brought to a physician exam. And if the physician approves it, then that person will be involuntarily committed. Um, For that 302 itself, that commitment lasts for up to 120 hours. And it culminates with a hearing where a judge decides if the 302 should be extended or if the person should be let go. How did you find out about this story? Yeah, um, it's a bit of a spider web. So a couple of months ago, one of the sources I spoke with, um, her name is Amanda Wilson. She came and spoke with me about her experience being 302'd. And besides admiring her resilience, one of the first things that came to my mind with that was trying to understand if her experience was something unique to her or if it was part of a larger trend. So I began looking for data within the county to try to understand this a little bit better. And that's when I kind of stumbled upon these, um, like the data surrounding the petitions and saw this increase. And so then I began going to researchers, county officials, police to really try to understand uh, what might be driving this and what effect it could have on people. What, What did you find when you started digging into that data? Um, That's when I first noticed that there was that 21% increase in overall 302 petitions. And with speaking with researchers, that's when I really learned more about the effect that it could have both for positive and negative. What's the effect of getting 302? Like, what did you hear from people who have had this happen to them? Yeah, the effects are many, and I will not pretend to give anything comprehensive here. But from what I could gather... A lot of the effects that I heard were there's definitely potential for negative in the sense that it can severely traumatize people because you're taking away their autonomy and the treatment process. Um, It can also be a force for good if people are unable or unwilling to seek treatment. Um, And it can be a better alternative in some behavioral health crisis situations than things like arrest. Mm. But definitely that impact for uh, the potential for severe trauma is a huge consequence to consider, as well as the racial disparities in who's petitioned. And you mentioned Amanda Wilson. She's one of the main sources in your story, and she was 302'd. But did she mention to you how her experience was? 
So Amanda, at the time that she was 302, she had been experiencing a manic episode and suicidal thoughts for about two months. And mm. on her own, she was beginning to develop a treatment plan for herself. She had put in place um, a plan to go to a treatment facility around Philadelphia and her parents were set to drive her. But at that point, um, because of some of the suicidal ideation, some of her close friends who were very big supports for her um, weren't sure if she was making that progress fast enough. And so they decided to initiate the petition on her behalf. Mm. One day, um, the police came to her house in Millville. She was just sitting on her back deck, kind of thinking through her options of what she wanted to do for her own treatment when they came. Uh, they brought her to Western Psychiatric Hospital where the physician exam was conducted, and then she was 302. When the police showed up, if you're not experiencing at that moment um, or exhibiting any irrational behavior or behavior that it seems like you're unsafe to yourself or to others, um, why were they able to go through with that if she had a plan that was she was maybe just, you know, a short time away from uh, starting herself? It's a tough answer. And I think that it's just the people who initiated the petition didn't know that. And so it was filed um, without her knowing and the county approved it. Yeah, you said this This is a really traumatic experience for a lot of people. And I don't think it's hard to imagine why. What were the effects on Amanda? I think for Amanda, one of the hardest effects was how it fractured her trust in the local mental health care system. Yeah. Because after that autonomy is taken from you, you don't know who you can turn to and really fully share what you're experiencing with again for fear that something like this could happen to you again. Um, so I think that has been huge for her. She was considering moving um, because she wasn't sure if she could trust local treatment options. And I think it's also made a lot of the symptoms that she was experiencing before the 302 worse. And it's exacerbated a lot of that for her. Yeah. And you said that there was a 21 percent increase in the overall number of 302 petitions being filed. But do experts know why? That's a bit of a difficult question to answer. So I think that there's a lot of speculation about this, but with the format that the data is in, it's kind of can only stay speculation for right now, and we mm -hmm. don't know definitively. Some of the theories that um, experts brought up to me about it is the potential that maybe there's just increased mental health needs right now, you know, with everything from the COVID-19 pandemic and factors long before that, too. We've seen yeah. that the severity of what people are experiencing right now has just reached unprecedented heights. So it might be that there's just more need. Um, it could also be increased awareness of what a 302 itself is. Um, there have been more training for stakeholders and people who can initiate 302 petitions. So maybe just the fact that they know what this tool is now means that they're more likely to use it. Um, it could also just be a change in record keeping systems. Hmm. Uh, the county switched over how they keep track of 302s, I think in about mid 2014 or so. Um, and we see at least as far back from what the data is showing us that there's been an increase since 2015. So maybe it's just that we're getting better at keeping track of these. So without understanding kind of the themes within the narrative of why these petitions are being um, like initiated and what's catalyzing them, we can only really keep thinking of these speculations and not definitively say which is right or which combination is right. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. 
Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. Do you see this increase as, a, as like, um, good or bad? Um, you know, the fact that people are getting help, even if it is against their will. Um, from what people were telling me, it's definitely a bit of a gray area. And I think mm. that it really varies depending on individual situations. Are there? You talked about the specific groups uh, that are being 302'd more. So, so who are they and why? Yeah. Um, so one thing that I did see in the data is that there are racial disparities in who's petitioned. I believe that black adults were about 2.4 times more likely to be petitioned in the county than white adults. Mm. Um, there's a lot of factors that can contribute to this. And I think some of these factors are nation uh, affecting the entire nation, um, not just us here in Allegheny County. Mm. It could be everything from the fact that there is a shortage of mental health professionals, both from and serving marginalized community. Uh, it could be the general stigma discouraging people from accessing mental health care. It could be neighborhood level factors like poverty and racial segregation that discourage people from accessing mental health care. So it really right. is um, a lot of widespread factors across the entire mental health care spectrum that could be contributing to this. Who's filing these reports? Because I mean, say you just see me on a bad day. <laughs> and it might not, you know what I mean? Maybe it's not a, a, a something that's caused for medical intervention. Um, but you said if somebody sees it within 30 days, who are the people that are usually filing these reports? Yeah, so there's a pretty big mix of people. Uh, most often the petitioners are friends and families, but it can also be social workers. It can be hospital staff, physicians, police, um, county administrators. It can really be a whole grab bag. So the majority of people who file 302s, their friends, their family, but your reporting found that the rate that police are filing this report doubled from 2015 to 2021. And that's one of the highest growth rates of any group. So do researchers have any idea why? Because I would think that the person filing these reports, you know, saying that this person needs immediate help should be a mental health professional and not a police officer. Yeah, I think that's another area where we're not able to say with granularity of why this might be happening. Um, and it's a lot of the same factors that the speculations are very similar to what we're seeing for the overall increase of that. Maybe it's just that police have more training. Um, maybe they're just seeing greater need. Maybe the way that we're keeping track of how they file petitions is just getting more specific um, and accounting for more. Um, so it really is, um, there's a lot of speculation out there, but we're not able to definitively say right now. So police might be, you know, getting trained more, but we know they're still not trained mental health professionals. So what do experts, you know, say about police filing these, these reports at a higher rate? Yeah, it's another kind of gray area where a lot of what the county has been pushing for in the past two years or so is they want to reduce police involvement in behavioral health crisis intervention whenever right. possible. Mm -hmm. So I think what that means is trying to pilot these programs where we're pairing police with social workers or even sending social workers to some 911 crisis calls if, the safe, if it's safe in that situation. But with how the PA Mental Health Procedures Act is structured, a lot of these 302 uh, situations specifically, there is a clear and present danger there. Yeah. So sometimes it can feel as if a police presence is necessary um, to protect people's well-being, um, whether that's the individual or people around them. How do police feel about it? Do they 
do they feel like this is a part of their job that they they want more training in and, and want to be um, called for? Or do they kind of do they kind of wish it would default to somebody that has a little bit more um, expertise? I think they view these 302s as a last resort. Um, Because also for them, too, if they do initiate that petition, then they need to follow up and appear at the hearing and they don't know these people as well. But I think from what I learned talking with them is it definitely weighs on their mental health, too, of like having to see trauma and uh, see people struggle. If police officers find 302s really time intensive and complicated, community advocates also don't want police handling these issues. So why is it going to them? I think part of why police are involved in this process is because of that dangerousness tenet that's baked into state law. And another piece of it too here is that state law grants police with this unique power where they can initiate a petition in emergency circumstances without county approval. Mm. So I think the speed at which they can arrive at the scene in minutes, they have the manpower and transportation means to do that along with kind of like this dangerousness principle that's inherent to some situations. And this power under state law can kind of um, make them almost feel like a default um, in some response situations. Have there been any like efforts to change that? Because that doesn't seem like um, an effective model for the police and it doesn't seem like an effective model for the people. Doesn't seem like the experts necessarily want that either. So are there any efforts to make this a a more humane, I guess, uh, practice. Yeah, so right now the county is piloting a few different programs to try out different alternative responses. Mm. Um, So there's one program in McKees Rocks where they uh, 911 centers are going to be sending social workers to some crisis calls rather than police. Um, There's also like uh, social worker teams within the county currently that can respond alongside police or like to different crisis calls that they received individually. Um, So that way social workers are the primary responders. And the county is also piloting different programs on the preventive care side of things. So that way they can try to keep uh, crises from kind of escalating to that precipice of crisis. Amelia Winger is a health reporter for Public Source. Thank you so much for joining us today, Amelia. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And we'll link to Amelia's full reporting in our show notes. A little more news before you go. Space Force is coming to Pittsburgh. The branch of the Air Force is funding the creation of the Keystone Space Innovation Center on the north side. It's supposed to act as a hub for businesses in our region to collaborate with Space Force and other space industry companies. So it just goes to show you that Pittsburgh's tech industry is ready for takeoff. The county's health department is asking U.S. Steel to pay up the $458,000 in fines comes from air pollution violations at the company's Clarendon Coke Works in the first three months of 2022. These new fines will bring the company's total this year from Allegheny County to $9 million. The community surrounding the Coke Works will receive 90% of the money from the fines in a community benefit trust. And Mayor Ed Ganey cut a trip short to return to the city to address Pittsburghers after a series of violent crimes, including the death of a four-year-old. The girl, Kari Thompson, is one of 14 children, 18 and under, killed in the city this year. Ganey called on the community at large to help in finding those responsible. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review. 
Subscribe to our morning newsletter. That's where all the good stuff is at. And take care of yourself. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I wish we could sound like. (laughs) 